This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Gang's all here on a Wednesday night. This is Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Heaps. The guys, power trio is back. Guys, there's big news we got to get to. Huge news. Do you want to break it, Curtis? Uh, yeah. Our guy, Jake Heaps. Man, I... Whew. What? There is... I mean, you're a, a busy guy. And for you to find the free time anywhere to uh, reinvent yourself like this. Honestly, it's great. It's like a Madonna. Yeah. Our guy, Jake Heaps, for the first time in his life, life. has a styled haircut. My man. My man. So your whole life, you've had a brand new person. Was that? You've had buzz cuts your whole life? Uh, Or or just let it grow? Get this. I actually used to do, you know, kind of when I was in my younger years, you know, from Mm -hmm. the eight to probably 12 ish range, maybe. I used to get a. a flat top. Whoa. That was my hairstyle. Yeah. Like a Will Smith flat top? Did you ever do frosted top? tips? Flat, as, as my, you know, Jake Heaps hair white version of a flat top can be. Yeah, yeah. I used to used to rock a flat top. There you go. Way back in the day. Then it just went to a straight buzz cut. Kind of a fade every now and then type of deal. I never really had a haircut. I just felt like my hair just wasn't good enough. I didn't know what to do <laughs> with don't, it. Don't you say that, Jay. I, 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 I always you felt jealous of like C. Rogers' hairstyle. No. He just why not got my hairstyle? Look. <laughs> I just never could have those locks. Uh, not with that attitude. Yeah. <laughs> and today I went to a place called Brassfields, and they were great. And Robbie took care of me and gave me a new hairstyle. Really I have no idea wild. what he you did. You look like a different person. And yeah, so this is what I have right now. We'll see. I tried you, to cap a Should we get public opinion on this? Should we get public opinion? Yeah, it's going to be 100% in favor. Yeah. You think so? You look much more like refined and rugged. Yeah. You don't mm. you, with the buzz cut you look younger than you do, but okay. this yes. is this is a good look for you. Okay, that's 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 comforting to know because I'm walking around feeling like an idiot right what? now because no. I've never styled my no, no, hair. No, 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 no. I've only known the buzz cut. So I'm I'm stepping out on a limb here, guys, and I appreciate you guys, you know, Holding we're, me down yeah, right we're, now. We're gassing you up. Like yeah. we, we are your people to just cheer you on. Jake, if it makes you, I promise you, you don't look bad. And if it makes you feel better, um, I got really, really bad highlights once right before prom. And uh, the next day, not the next day, that following like Monday at school, I showed up and some like freshman told me I looked like I uh, got hit by lightning. Wow. So you know what I mean? Like it could be oh. worse. Ouch. I'm waiting for that moment, Stacey. Like that's what I've been waiting for. Like someone, for a kid to you know, say, you know who's wrong? probably going to do it. It's going to be Mike Salk. I guarantee you. Ten thousand. Like, Yo, he does know Whoa. that you got a haircut. I did mention it to him today. Really? You, yeah. You texted our group thread this afternoon saying, "Guys, I did something I've never done before. Yeah. I got a styled haircut." <laughs> yeah. Well, and no, I, and, we first guessed what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I said slept without a nightlight. I said worked <laughs> a normal nine to nine five, five job. job. <laughs> Hey, what was like, my... no, never. Yeah. Never, ever, 9 to 5. But uh, we're on here from 7 to 9 tonight, and uh, what better way to get started than by telling you what is on tonight's timeline. And guys, we are less than 24 hours away from the official start of the NFL regular season. It feels like 
it it didn't creep up this year. It's just like, bam, here it is. I can't get ready. I can't wait for it, man. I can't say exactly in the words of Khalil Mack because his was a little more explicit. But man, I cannot wait for football to kick off. There are so many great storylines, and and obviously what happened with the Seahawks over the weekend just gets you that much more excited for what's about to happen. Come week one at home versus the Bengals. Let's go. These are also two teams I'm very excited to see. I'm interested in uh, Trubisky, what he looks like, you know, as he's continuing to develop. Can this Bears defense be as good as they were a season ago? And then you've got the Packers with a completely new situation going on there. Yeah, Matt LaFleur, the head coach. And and Aaron Rodgers is continually throwing out little digs at Matt LaFleur. Exactly. Like, it's not only, it's two teams you kind of want to see in the opening game. There was that story this offseason that came out that Aaron Rodgers audibled like a third of the plays that Mike McCarthy relayed in last year. Yes. I wonder how many times he's going to audible tomorrow night when Matt Lafleur calls a play and and just <laughs> just to assert himself as the alpha, like right. hey, right. You, you report to me. Right. I don't report to you, pal. It, it will be interesting to track that relationship throughout the entire year because obviously we know that Aaron Rodgers says has been extremely difficult on Mike McCarthy over the years and has a strong opinion uh, one way or the other. So can Matt LaFleur in his first year as a young head coach handle that type of personality and have success and build off that storied franchise in, in Green Bay? That will be a big factor in it all. And can Matt Nagy continue to build off of his great first year. I mean, that was a heck of a first year offensively and defensively for the Bears, and uh, this this will be a good one. That's what's on the field. Plenty of headlines still being made off the field, including two guys who got paid over the last 24 hours or so. Ezekiel Elliott and Jared Goff getting straight cash, homie. Elliott getting a six-year, $90 million extension with 50 of that guarantee. Jared Goff and the Rams agreeing to four years, $134 million with an NFL record, $110 million guaranteed. These are two contenders in the NFC along with the Seahawks, along with the Bears and the Packers. It feels like the NFC race this year is as wide open as it's been in, in in recent memory, and you've got two teams where there was some uncertainty with the Rams, and could they get a deal done with Goff before the beginning of the season? Elliott, was he going to miss games? Well, they've got those situations figured out now, and it feels like those are two big hurdles that those teams have overcome before week one. I would agree with you on that, and when you just look at the NFC right now as a whole, I think it is much stronger than the AFC. I mean, you've got some legitimate teams here. The Dallas Cowboys, Chicago Bears, Minnesota Vikings, Green Bay Packers, uh, the NFC South with mm-hmm. Atlanta and the Saints. The NFC West is always going to be strong with the Rams and the Seahawks and having the San Francisco 49ers as kind of your uh, wild you know, card, dark, like what could dark horse dark team. Horse, yeah, yes. and, and don't forget about the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a very top-heavy uh, divi- uh, uh, conference, and it, it just if you're going to survive, you one have to have a quarterback, and two you've got to play really tough football. And with the additions for uh, Jared Goff to the Rams, it just is very evident that although Sean McVay has gotten a lot of the credit for what has happened, you, you have to put a premium on consistency with your play caller and quarterback in the NFL. And Jared Goff has really grown in three years, guys. I mean, his rookie year, he was the biggest joke of all time to everybody across the league. He was inactive week one. It, it, exactly. And it was it was a disaster. And in two years, under Sean McVay, has really turned himself into a really, really fine football player and quarterback. I'm not saying he is a top five guy, even a top seven, 
But, man, he runs that operation very, very well. I think one of the more interesting things to come from this, too, isn't necessarily what came from the weekend, but what that past weekend means for the future, especially for the Cowboys with Dak Prescott. Now you're wondering what that contract is going to look like. Mari Cooper also exactly. a new deal. Yeah. So uh, those two teams figuring it out uh, with just days to go before the start of their seasons. The Seahawks, they released their first injury report of the season. Some interesting ones today, guys who didn't practice. Joey Hunt, David Moore, Mike Upati, all three of those guys sat out today. But also Dwayne Brown, a knee injury kept him out of practice today. He did not participate. He did speak, though, to the media. We may end up hearing from him a little bit later on tonight. But uh, first glance at the injury report, what stood out to you guys the most? Well, I think the first thing first is it's just disappointing that Mikey Potty is not going to make this ro- or make this game week one. Uh, obviously, his biggest concern when signing was his overall health. What can it be and how much can this team depend on him? And so this is not a great start for that particular signing. The, the next one is Dwayne Brown. I don't think that this is one for really cause for concern uh, of his availability. He'll be out there week one. He'll be ready to go. I'm sure they're just making sure they're taking care of something and, and making sure that he is as 100% as he possibly can be so he can protect Russell Wilson's blind side on I Sunday. actually agree with you and agree with Greg Bell, who said Brown wouldn't necessarily have been speaking with the media because you can't speak to injured players. Um, so, like, we couldn't, if we wanted to, interview Mike Upati right now because he is currently injured. So, um, I think that that's probably – I'm reading that as more of, like, a rest day for Brown and just being cautionary with right. someone who's one of your older players. Uh, again, no real surprises, which I guess is good news if you're a Seahawks fan. Joey Hunt had that high ankle sprain in a preseason game. He'll be out for a while. David Moore with a broken shoulder in practice. He'll be out for a while. And then, you know, like you said, Mike Upati is kind of expected to miss, you know, the first preseason game. Carroll has not confirmed that. He hasn't said that's happening, but I think that's how most people are interpreting it. Uh, Some other news in town. NHL Seattle's continuing to make front office hires. They named Ricky Olchick, their assistant general manager to Ron Francis. Olchick comes from the Toronto Maple Leaf scouting department, a team that has really put an emphasis on young players, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner. Uh, two of the best young players in the NHL, so good hire made by NHL Seattle. His job will be to oversee the salary cap and contracts, and then also, I think this is the biggest news of the day. I'm sorry we buried the lead here, but Taco Bell. And, and Stacy, you and I, we talk about our love for Taco Bell yeah, we get all it. the time. You know, this oh, is a conversation between me and you right now. I didn't yeah. know that. I'm a huge Taco Bell fan. Well, Whoa. welcome to the team. Oh, welcome. Okay. It's about time you yeah. poke up on that, Jay. Baja yeah, Blast okay. all the way. Yeah, so... Talk about they've taken a couple of like menu staples off the menu here in the month of September, but they're adding a new one that I don't think they've ever done before, a toasted cheddar chalupa with cheese baked onto the outside of the shell. Woo! That's wow. going to be in my face yeah, probably so two and a half hours from now. I think now. the minute that those, are those out currently? I think so. Yeah, I think I think we need to get, get that immediately. Yeah. Because we missed the wave on the uh, Popeye's chicken sandwich. Yeah, I still hate myself for that. Yeah, like that came and went real quick. Yeah, I didn't get a jump on the trend. I wasn't there in time. So we got to get out in front of this one. I'm fine with it. So just putting that out there. <laughs> Thank you, Curtis. You're, you're welcome. We appreciate you. <laughs> uh, a lot of texts coming in on the Coors Light text line 710-710. The three success says enough about Jake's hair. No. No, not enough about not Jake's enough. hair. That's, it's never enough. I think you meant to put not in front of that text. Not enough about Jake's hair. Yeah, it is a big moment, and it should be respected 
as such. When we return here on Seattle Sports at Night, Pete Carroll, he took to the podium today to preview week one against the Cincinnati Bengals. What did he have to say? We'll give you the best of what he said. That's next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Heaps, 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. 30 minutes from now, we give you four-down territory. What's the biggest challenge the Bengals present for the Seahawks in Week 1? We give you the answer to that coming up in four-down territory a half hour from now. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Eaps with you on 710 ESPN Seattle. Pete Carroll, he spoke to the media present at the VMAC today. What did he have to say? Well, let's take a listen. This is a really... Uh bright group. They've really been focused and tuned into it. You know, the guys are going to get a lot of the, uh, the special teams work, those linebackers and some of the, the young DBs and all. Those are guys we're concerned about first time You know, when they're going to have to play a whole game. But they've done really well during the preseason and, and we know a lot about those guys right now because they've been so active and, and uh, they've done a good job. So we're counting on them coming through and filling the spots and, and uh, hopefully we can minimize the issues. When you traded Frank, could you have imagined at the time that it would have worked out as well as it did with oh, Ziggy sure. and Precisely, I had this totally in mind. I had this one wired, yeah. Um, not exactly, no, no, I'm kidding. Um, maybe John was the dreamer at that time that, that, that thought that something could come. But, uh, we're pretty optimistic around here, you know, and we're thinking things are going to work out. And Ziggy was a really big get for us on, with, with uh, Frank going out the door. And um, we, had, we had to wait so long for Ziggy to get, to get ready to go that we weren't really, you know, uh, we didn't feel the impact of that much at this point, so we'll, well, that starts happening, you know, game one. Um, but to also come up and, and get Jadavian to add to it, um, you know, that's a that's a real boost. And, you know, I, I've said before that any coach in the history of football is looking for a pass rusher going into week one. You know, and if you could find a way to get a guy, I mean, since UOP, I've been thinking about that. So uh, for this to happen here in, in this situation is really uh, exciting, and hopefully we can make the most of it. You guys have brought in... was the University of the Pacific, in case you guys don't know. You guys have brought in guys via trade, leader right at the start of the season, mid-season with Dwayne Sheldon, Justin Cohen. How far can they get in a week's time? In general, how 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 it, it, it depends a little bit on the position, and certainly it depends on the development of the guy, is he, if he's ready or not. Um, we're not going to over-expect here, you know, in, as we have in the past. We, now, I think uh, Coleman played the whole game, I think, at nickel, so he was in, you know, a good portion of the game, 40% of the game or whatever. So uh, it just depends, you know, with our guys. But um, you know, hopefully we're making progress. You know, we hope we make progress through the game and then get to game two and continue to make progress as we go. Well, I don't think we're anywhere near where we will be um, uh, with those guys. So... We'll just take off and see what happens and, and adjust as we go and learn them as they learn us and, and um, hopefully make really good decisions along the way and, and uh, make progress. What's the reasonable expectation for how long Clowney and Hansen can play on Sunday? <laughs> you know I'm not answering that question. I mean, it was a good try. A good try anyway. uh, you can get wait and see. Coach, uh, you mentioned trying to figure out the Bengals. How, how much were you drawing what Zach Taylor did in L.A.? And- it's one of the big, you know, the big elements of, of you know the, of his background, um, and it's significant. You know, that's why he got the job, you know, and, and all that. So um, I'm sure they hired him thinking that that's what they're getting too, you know. But we still got to see it. He's got he's had has a, a, a wide experience behind him, and he's done a lot of stuff. And, and uh, we, of course, we're trying to decipher every. St- you know, every step of the way in, in preseason. But they did a really good job to stay really straight and, and didn't show you much. So um, we're just going to have to wait and see what, what their 
kind of uh, you know interpretation of that offense was you know through Zach's eyes, and, and um, he's a great ball coach, and and I'm sure he's you know he wants to make a big impression. He's going to come out and show us you know what, what he's all about. So we'll have to figure it out when the game comes. Will DK be on a snap count? Who? Will DK be on a snap count? She's, I guess we're going to have to wait and find out. <laughs> What's the status of your nickel position for Sunday? Good. It's good. Status is good. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Still competing. Mike and Potty. Mike, we just went through the walkthrough with us, so we'll see how he goes uh, one day at a time. I can't tell yet. Um, I always go back to how they respond to the day. You know, he hasn't been out with us, so uh, we'll see what happens. I, I really don't know yet. They take one day at a time. Is DK practicing today? Yes. Yeah. With the front seven, without having Jared there, how do you feel about the tackle? Just kind of the tackle spot and kind of how that rotation is going to work. For yeah, these? well, we've. I mean, you've been watching them. And we're really excited about what Puna's been doing, you know. And, and uh, he's had a great camp, and he's looked, you know, right on it. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to do a fine job for us. Um, what what I really like about what Al Woods has done is he's been he's played big and played solid and, and really given us good effort. That's all we've ever hoped for out of that three technique position. I mean, go back over the years. There's been a bunch of big guys that have been been there and have filled a really good role for us. And Al's right there. Al seems to be more active than maybe some of the guys. And, and uh, I mean, he's learned it and he's been a he's been a great guy on the team in the, in the meeting room, locker rooms, and all that. So um, I think we're going to be real strong. And uh, you'll see some you know, some movement, some rotations in there as we go, um, but counting on those two guys to be the starters and and, uh, and you know get us rolling. Speaking of the, the tackle spot, what have you seen in uh, Brian Monet? Though he's the only undrafted guy to make the team, I guess. What have you seen in, in him as a? He, he's been really consistent for a young guy coming. I mean, we didn't put him in any situations he hasn't played before. You know, we really tried to bank on what he's done in the past. Um, he was a very, very effective college player, and uh, you know they played great run defense where we came from in Michigan and all. And uh, so we've just asked him to do what he's good at, and he's huge, and he plays big and, and strong and tough. Um, he's had some big plays in, in crucial situations. He's come through with really good technique and, and a clarity of effort and stuff at the right time, you know, to get in the backfield and make some crucial plays in short yardage. And also, we don't have any problem playing him. He's 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 going to be in the game rotating. Uh, Have to wait and see. How would you characterize what Russell is as he enters year eight? What areas can he even get better? In? Yeah, well, Russell's the best he's ever been. There, there's no question. He's the the smartest, the farthest along, the most aware, the most in control. We had a great year last year in controlling the offense, and he's just another step towards more of that. And that just makes us more efficient. Um, it should keep us out of bad plays. It should put us in good plays. He has a lot of freedom to do stuff in, within the system. Um, he had a fantastic offseason of conditioning and throwing and all of that. It's shown all the way through camp and uh, through all of the offseason work. So he's ready to play his best football. Um, you know, I've always said one of these years, Russ is going to complete 70% of his passes, you know, and I don't know when that's going to happen, but you know, this is his next shot. We'll see what happens. Um, but so how much better can he get? I think let's, let's just go one year at a time here, <laughs> see if we can get him ready to play this time. How much is that year with Shoddy showing up when, you know, from where they were? Yeah, the communication is really good. The, the familiarity is excellent. Um, probably more than anything, Brian knows, knows Russ better, you know, and he knows what he can do and how he does stuff and how he thinks and operates and functions and all of that so that he can, he's been able to, throughout the offseason, adjust things to fit uh, strengths that we have. And, and uh, so... Um, but it's been a, they're they're really in the midst of a really strong relationship, and it's really you know figuring to be a real positive force. Is the 
defensive priority. Of, of having all of your core coaches together, because with the Bengals, it's not just the head coach, but 16 of the 23 coaches are new. You don't have that, so in some ways... Dang, got it. Could have had that. Uh, let's see here. It, it's... The, the first time around is challenging. It's really challenging. And it doesn't mean that you don't have success or you do have success. It's just really challenging because everything's happening for the first time. Decisions that you make, the, the, uh, the observations, the uh, analysis, evaluations, it's all first time. And then you don't know until you see what happens with your choices and stuff you make. So it's, uh, you know, you got you to gotta give these guys a chance to get rolling. That doesn't mean that you can't be successful early. You can, you know, and, and obviously Sean did a great job down in L.A. and proved that. And, and he's been very instrumental for a lot of guys, you know, and that, that he's shown that a young guy can go in there and, and, and put it together and, and be very successful. But, um, you know, we're, yeah, we're in a much different situation. We do have a, a real depth and a, a, a breadth of experience together, and, and we've been through so many things that that does help, you know, and, and so it facilitates um, the decision making and the analysis and, and the sharing of information to eva- evaluate where we are, what we're doing, and all that. Um, you know, it's really important for us, so we're going to try to bank on that. Your defensive priority, priorities have always been to uh, have a strong secondary, deny the deep ball, and force the opponent into being one dimensional. This year, the strength is front seven. How different is that for you, coaching? Well, I'm surprised that you're that far off of what that's always been. It's always been a stop and run first, always. And uh, that's where we begin. And the next aspect of it is making sure they can't score easily, which is exactly what you, you addressed. Um, so it, we're, it's the same in, in our thinking. And I think that's football. You know, you, if you can, if people can run the football, it's too easy, and they they don't get in situations that where they jeopardize the ball and all that and clock and all those things. So it starts up in the middle, up front, and then from there on we, we spread it. We uh, I don't feel it's any different, but to have both. Uh, you know, Ziggy and, and Jadavian on our team, that's different. That, that's a unique uh, matchup right there. It's very much where we were maybe with Clem and Cliff or, uh, you know, and Mike and Cliff back in the day. Uh, you know, we really felt like we had guys that really could do something off the edge and, and fly up the field and all that. These guys have the ability to do that. And we got to develop it. And we gotta, it's got to happen. Um, we got to bring it to life and all that. But they have a chance. And so, um, you know, it's really exciting to the, the prospects of what it could be like. We got to do a great job of coaching them and teaching them properly, so that we don't try to do too much too soon and all that kind of stuff. So, there's a lot going on, and uh, but it's most promising, and, and uh, I don't think it's going to be a problem. <laughs> I'm not seeing any problems with it. You said, the other day, you, said, you said the other day that you're fired up for CJ being healthy. Yeah. Reversing that, looking back, and this is not blaming him at all, but how frustrating was it for you having to sort of wait for that? Because you believed in him so much, and he kept getting injured. It has been frustrating, really. I mean, think of him first. You know, no one cares about what I'm thinking. But, you know, I can handle frustration. But for the young guy trying to play the game, and he only has so many years you can play it and all that, it's been really hard on him. But his mentality and his his stick to it has been there all along. And uh, so... You know, now that he, he has kind of resurfaced into the mix of it all, you know, it's, it's an exciting opportunity for him. Uh, we've got a good, good room. It's a really good running back room, and we really like our guys. And, you know, there's only so many times you can give the ball to guys. So it, guys are going to have to compete and battle and, and keep on it uh, to take advantage of the opportunities as they come. But um, it has been frustrating because I, I love the, what he brings your team, you know, because he's so versatile and so explosive. And, and uh, so I was so thrilled just to see him finally get a chance to show it again. And, okay, CJ's back, and, and now we'll, we'll figure out how to mix him in. That was Pete Carroll, some of what he had to say today to the media at Seahawks headquarters. 
What were the things that stuck out to us the most? We get into that next. Curtis Rogers, Jake Eve, Stacey Ross, 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. You can listen to Seattle Sports at Night via the 710 Sports app. It is driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. Don't forget, starting tomorrow, you can join 710 ESPN Seattle at Snoqualmie Casino for a live broadcast from 7 to 9 p.m. It's Hawks Live Thursday nights during the NFL season, hosted by Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus. Learn more at 710sports.com slash events. I'll be out there, so uh, that'll be some fun uh, broadcasting going on tomorrow night from 7 to 9 Absolutely. in our spot. I mean, I mean, if we're going to give up a night of, of Seattle sports tonight, I mean, Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus. Yeah, well, and Taylor Jacobs is going to yeah. be out there. So they have uh, Dwayne Brown, yeah, and him and Dwayne Brown are going to play NBA 2K. That's and gonna just, be it's gonna be an interview be while they play that. That's gonna be really that's awesome. fun. Shout out shout out to Taylor Jacobs, another co host of mine. I, yep. I collect co hosts around here. At yeah. Taylor Jacobs. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes it makes me wonder, Curtis, because oh, we feel like right? we have our own little family here. Right. And then you've got <laughs> and a then whole you have a separate family. family. It's like do I go back to my other family and talk about you guys or Yeah, do it's I just exactly. kinda talk, like yeah. are we interchangeable? Like do you look You're at not. us and you really just see Lydia and Taylor? No. No, no. <laughs> I would never, never ever try to do that that's 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 not who i am Stacey. all right we'll we'll find out if it's the truth how many times have you accidentally called taylor jake none okay. i've mixed the show names up lots of times have you? yeah <laughs> it's you know just going to break yeah coming up on seattle sports saturday it's a wednesday night curtis <laughs> you idiot <laughs> But Pete Carroll, he spoke to the media today at uh, at Seahawks headquarters. Talked a lot about you know what we're going to see on Sunday, and uh, he started off by talking what the defensive tackle rotation is going to look like without Jaron Reed. We're really excited about what Poon has been doing, you know, and and uh, he's had a great camp and he's looked you know right on it. You know, I, I think he's going to do a fine job for us. Um, what what I really like about what Al Woods has done is he's been he's played big and played solid and, and really given us good effort. That's all we've ever hoped for out of that three technique position. Al seems to be more active than maybe some of the guys, and, and uh, I mean he's learned it and he's been a he's been a great guy in the team in the, in the meeting room, locker rooms, and all that. So I think we're going to be real strong. So it sounds like Puna Ford and Al Woods are going to get the majority of snaps uh, at the defensive tackle spot. Uh, no Jaron Reed. Mm-hmm. They cut Earl Mitchell. So now all of a sudden you, you've got a lot of expectations heaped onto these two guys. Brian Monet also on the roster. What do you guys think about where the defensive tackle rotation is going to be these first six weeks without Jaron Reed? To me, it really comes down to this. I really think that this group won't be as dynamic without Jaron Reed. I mean, when you have Jadavian Clowney, Ziggy Ansah, Jaron Reed, yeah. that is as good as it gets in terms of a, a pass rush. But what they will be able to do is I think they'll be very solid in the run game. Ziggy Ansah, Jadavian Clowney, as, as exciting as they are getting after the passer, they are both known for also being very disruptive in the run game, which is very exciting about having both of those players, and Jadavian Clowney in particular. And then you've got Puna Ford, who that's where he made his money last year. That's why he's at the position he is. And they just heard Pete Carroll talking about Al Woods. I think from that standpoint, between Al Woods, Brian Monet, 
Puna Ford, mm-hmm. this is going to be a pretty solid unit, at least in in uh, in run defense. And you haven't even talked about the linebackers. That's that the thing. Point. I think that while they adjust to uh, this new defensive line, having essentially a completely new look, uh, you still have three linebackers that can help you with, especially against the run, um, help you, you know, secure some of those tackles. And as far as that linebacker group, Michael Kendricks is new. I mean, when they when the three of them played together in that third preseason game, they look good. But Bobby and KJ have worked together for years. Bobby Wagner today asked whether he's nervous about this linebacker trio specifically kind of playing together with so little time in the preseason and said, no, I mean, we do a lot of stuff off the field, too. We do plenty of film study together. We always talk about this stuff. We go through walkthroughs. It's just football. Pete was also asked about another guy in the defensive line, LJ Collier, his status in question for week one. And he talked about how they're going to know more by the end of the week. We'll wait and see how the week goes here. He's going to get some practice work in today. Um, he did some stuff on Monday. So we're just going one step at a time with him. I, I don't know yet. He did look good, and, and he looked like he was uh, you know, on his way to roar, roar back in the mix of this thing. It'll be fantastic to have him back in the, in, the, in the competition of it. But I can't tell you what's going to happen at the end of the week yet. How much of a lift does a healthy LJ Collier give to the defensive line on, mm. on Sunday? Because he's a rookie, which means... I don't know if you can expect the world of him, especially considering where they drafted him at the end of the first round. Yeah, I just keep thinking of Dwayne Brown's comment, actually on the day LJ Collier got injured, when he was like, you know, he looks great. He he looks like a good athlete out there, but he's just really raw. And I think that that's kind of the thing. And, and that was, I feel like I remember Brock Hewer talking about this, the reason that it was especially disheartening for, I'm sure, the Seahawks to see LJ Collier injured is he really needed that time in the preseason to to adjust to being in the NFL. So I don't know that it gives you a huge immediate lift, but I mean, it certainly helps. This is obviously a guy you want long-term. So the sooner you get him out there, the better. It's another body. Exactly. 100%. At this point, that's why, again, you come back to this Jadavian Clowney thing. Gosh, this is the reason why it's so dang exciting because you were in a position where, Mm -hmm. gosh, LJ Collier, Jacob Martin, Cassius Marsh, those were going to be your front-line guys that you were hoping to get amazing production out of. And when you ask a defensive line rookie uh, in L.J. Collier, who's he wasn't a bread-and-butter pass-rush specialist. He was more of a high-effort, high-motor guy that could get it done just based off his effort in terms of sacks and was a disruptive uh, player in the run game. So what what you get with L.J. Collier at this point is you get a really nice depth piece, a really nice rotation, and if you know anything about the Seahawks, that's what they want. They want great depth at the defensive line because they want a solid rotation. They will rotate their defensive linemen uh, more so than anybody else in the league to try and keep everybody healthy and active and ready to go. So if L.J. is able to be there, I don't, I don't think it's a game-breaking move because he hasn't had – any of that experience in preseason like you had talked about, Stacey, but it gets him back sooner than later, and hopefully by the time you know you get to week three, week four, he's starting to get his feet wet and get confidence, and, and now you're really starting to see what L.J. Collier can really do. And, and that- what I'll say is at least, sorry to interrupt, Curtis, I was just going to say um, the very least you can say is the injuries and the depth line up nicely. You never want injuries, so it's not like injuries line up nicely, but you've got a healthy clowny in front of Collier, who who may or may not play week one. And then you've got Ziggy Ansah, who will probably be on a version of a pitch count, but in front of a healthy Rasheem Green and Brandon Jackson. So you've got some depth there. Not, not a bad spot to be in 
especially considering the question marks about the defensive line before the Clowney acquisition and whether or not Ziggy Ansah was going to be healthy. Jake, you brought up how the Seahawks love to have just incredible depth on that defensive line. You look at the most successful years under Pete and John, you had a defensive line that went so deep. You had Red Bryant, Chris Clemens, Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, Tony McDaniel, Clinton McDonald, just Nate, Brandon Meebane also in there. Like that defensive line was so deep that Jay Howard got cut. And Jay Howard ended right. up being a very productive pro with the Kansas City Chiefs for a few years. So, I mean, you, you look at where the defensive line is when everybody's healthy and when everybody's available with Jaron Reed, who is six weeks away from returning. I think that is where Pete and John have kind of envisioned this defensive line to be. And, and who knows how, how many weeks together – Ansa, Clowney, and, and Reed will play together just based off of injuries, and obviously it'll be maximum 10, but who knows beyond that. But I think to get the team back to where it was in those years, it, it, it starts and ends with the defensive line because it's nice to have a great secondary. It's nice to have a great linebacking core, but if you can interrupt – Pass if you can interrupt the passing game of any other team out there, that is going to set you up very nicely. Yeah, it, it puts you in a great position. It also covers up a lot of, um, you know, the 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 warts that you may have, for lack of a better term. Uh, and and I think the linebacking core does that a lot for you. But now uh, the linebacking core is is very much uh, at, at the mercy of what happens in front of them. You know, you talk to Bobby, you talk to KJ, you talk to those guys, and what they appreciate more than anything else is a defensive lineman that can do their job, right? Because it allows them to, to make plays in space and, and be able to do what they do best. And so with all of that being said, this is going to be a much improved group, a much improved unit, both in, in the pass rush and also in the run game. And that is saying without Frank Clark, who got you 13 sacks last year, and Jaron Reed for six games. I mean, nowhere in our wildest dreams could we say that Oh, you lose Frank Clark, you lose Jaron Reed for your first six games, and you're actually going to be a better unit? There's no way. And so I think that's the really nice surprise in all of this right now. Cincinnati, they've got a brand new coaching staff, just turnover everywhere from top to bottom in that organization this offseason. Pete Carroll spoke about the challenges of facing a brand new coaching staff, this one led by Zach Taylor. It's a big challenge. It's, it's, a, it's a good challenge, too, because of the style of offense that we have to face in our division as well. So uh, there's been a lot that's gone into it. You know, we, if, if the style is similar, then we know we got a number of games that would be within the same format. So we have been able to really zero in on that thought, and we'll see, you know, see what happens. But there's just an unknown. You, know, you just don't know until you get there. And, and so that's, all first games are like that because people can change and adjust things. This was a little bit more out there because you just you – know, you don't know. Haven't seen him. So preseason was not much. I don't think much of a tell to what's happening. Jake, what's it like from a player's perspective, game planning against a team that you don't know a ton about because of just how much change has happened in that organization over the last nine months or so? Yeah, it's really tough. I'll be honest with you guys. It's really hard because you don't really have any tape or film to go back to with that t- with those guys, with that personnel in particular. And, hey, this is this is what this program is. This is what they traditionally do. This is what we can count on. They have certain tendencies. You don't know. And Zach Taylor obviously coming from – uh, the L.A. Rams, you would think that that offense is going to have that type of flavor to it, but you simply don't know. Uh, that's certainly why the Bengals brought him to be the head coach, so you would think it would it would have that level of, 
of you know fast pace that style of play you know play mostly with 11 personnel but i think zach taylor and this defense also on offense and defense they did a really nice job not giving away too much and so just like what Pete Carroll was saying you just you're it's really a guessing game you're trying to go into their history what what are they what is their coaching tree and, and who do they really that person in particular uh, offensive coordinator defensive coordinator who do they really idolize their philosophy of and and trying to base it off of that so that's really the person that's the situation you're in you're really in a guessing game and you're hoping that you're keeping your ears low to the ground for any information that you can get and hope by the time that you get to week one playing in that moment that your that your scouting your thought process is right in that moment but it could change so with a new coaching staff in place in Cincinnati, what is the biggest challenge they're going to present for the Seahawks in Week 1? We answer that next in four-down territory to wrap up the first hour. Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. This, this is four-down territory on Seattle Sports at Night. You got deep, deep, deep. As always, the Coors Light text line, it, it comes in clutch. It's always there for you, 710 710 uh, but we've got, from the 425, my wife runs a Taco Bell in Snohomish. Next Thursday, they roll out the toasted cheddar chalupa. Whoa. And they apparently they've had a sneak peek of it. They call it absolute fire. With three exclamation points. So it's yeah. absolute fire. God. Imagine being related to like a Taco Bell franchise owner. The kind of inside <laughs> scoops you Insider get. Insider information. Wow. I know. Four two five. You married up, my man. <laughs> Let's get to four down territory. Number one. Four downs. First down here. What is the biggest challenge that the Bengals present for the Seahawks in Week One? Really, in my mind, the biggest challenge that that the Bengals can present to the Seahawks is. The Bengals' offense in terms of the running back and tight end group. Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard, those are two dynamic backs that uh, really can make plays. And not only in the running game, but they're going to stretch you and and really put you out on an island in the passing game. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Seahawks respond to that. Do they put out Michael Kendricks, K.J. Wright, to cover those guys, what they've done traditionally? How does that look, or do they put a safety on him? So they'll give him something to think about. And then you look at Tyler Eifert. Tyler Eifert has had successful games versus the Seahawks in his past. And you add Drew Sample into that, who obviously everybody here locally knows him, uh, former Husky, second-round pick this year. Uh, he has had a tremendous training camp. And so if I'm the if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals, I'm trying to use my running backs and tight ends to create mismatches on these linebackers and safeties for the Seattle Seahawks. Number two. Second down. Stacy, what is the Curtis. most... Con- yeah, I'm glad we've now identified each other. <laughs> At least we didn't confuse you for Lydia as the Coors Light text line did. There. I always get... Well, people always think that my voice is Lydia because they just get surprised. But for the first time ever, Lydia was confused for me. That's never happened before. Wild times. I'm... I'm Wow, that threw me for a loop. <laughs> Second down to you. Most concerning injury you saw on today's injury report was? Uh, I'm going to say Mike Upati. I It's not uh, the most surprising one by far. He's been an injury that folks have been tracking pretty much through most of training camp in the preseason, uh, but certainly the most concerning. Pete Carroll said he'd recently been through a team walkthrough, and they're kind of taking it day by day. Um, I would guess that Posick gets the start and then they rest you potty for another day, but it 
it's like Jake said, his durability was something you were kind of afraid of, but you took the risk on that because you knew what he could do for your offensive line. And so this is probably the last thing you want to see. Thankfully for Seattle, it's week one. So uh, they feel pretty comfortable with Posick, who played with them all through the preseason. Number three. Third down. Jake, you're the quarterback guru among us. At least that's so he claims. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how much? So the Huskies played Eastern. You've got the Cougs playing Northern Colorado this weekend. Anthony Gordon and Jacob Eason both had great openers. But how much can you draw from quarterback play against a lesser opponent? Well, I think week one is always a really tough challenge for any team in any offense because there are so many things that are riding on your week one level of execution. And this is really your first crack at getting there is no preseason games like there is in the NFL so you have to be on your P's and Q's from the from the get-go and and it was really impressive to watch those two quarterbacks and Anthony Gordon Jacob Eason to really not just have success and to throw a couple touchdowns and and have high completion percentages but to dominate and run the show the way that they did with such confidence uh to me it doesn't matter who the opponent is in that moment in week one. Now in week two for Jacob Eason, you'll see against Cal a very good opponent on defense for the Huskies. If he's able to sustain that level of success and the offense is able to continue that trend. And I think for Washington state, they're going to continue to have another really easy outing for them facing Northern Colorado uh, come this next week. So I would expect Anthony Gordon and the, and the, uh, and the Cougs to continue to keep rolling on offense. But after for week one, there's a lot to take away. After that, Curtis, with a lesser opponent, there there isn't as much hype that you can really try and uh, generate from that. We got more on the Husky Cal matchup coming up at eight fifteen. Washington Wednesday's coming your way then. Number four, fourth down, last opportunity for points on the board before we wrap up the first hour. This one's to the room. We'll How, fight over it. Yeah. How productive do you think Ziggy Ansah and Jadavian Clowney can be in week one? Can I go first because you're more optimistic than me? Yes. Let's end on a positive Hit it, Stacey. I'm not negative, but I do agree with Pete Carroll, who seemed to kind of want to temper expectations. I think that uh, Ansah is going to be maybe somewhat limited just to make sure he stays healthy. It's really his first time out there. Uh, in a game at all this preseason. Uh, same with Clowney, although Clowney was, is healthy, so he was probably able to do a lot more work and get more work in. So I'd say don't expect like some insane, each of them get like three sacks kind of day. Um, this is still very much a team and a defense that's going to have to kind of learn to get on the same page in week one, just like any other team. Stacy, Stacy, Stacy. See, I knew that it would be important mm-hmm. that Jake went second. Pete Carroll, obviously, trying to temper expectations. Chris Peterson, trying to temper the expectations of Jacob Eason. And you saw the result is of week like one. Is it like when my parents are like, Jadavian no, Clowney Santa and Ziggy Ansa, I don't believe that they're going to each have three sacks or that they'll get three sacks combined between the two of them. But I do expect that when they are out there on the field, I don't expect them to get 100% of the defensive snaps. I would say anticipate probably anywhere from around 60 to 75% of the defensive snaps for both players. I do believe that you're going to feel their impact week one in the run game and in the pass game. You're going to see them be able to get tremendous pressure on the quarterback. You're going to see them make an explosive, disruptive play in the run game. The consistency of that, to me, will be the big question. But I do think you're going to feel their impact and give you a lot of reasons to be excited after this Week 1 game. 
That is four down territory as we wrap up the first hour of Seattle Sports Tonight here on this Wednesday. If you've missed any of it, make sure you're checking out the podcast, 710sports.com. You can click on On Demand, scroll down. You'll see our smiling faces there smiling right back at you. Every hour of every show is available at your fingertips. Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we're there. Wherever it is, you get your podcasts. Uh, But coming up in the next hour, Washington Wednesday coming your way at 8.15. Big if true, what are the biggest concerns the Seahawks still have in overtaking the Rams in the NFC West race? Trey Wingo of ESPN, he joined Danny David Moore today and talked about what is left for the Seahawks to accomplish on the road back to the top of the NFC West. But coming up next, Jadavian Clowney, he's now a Seahawk. So where does that trade rank in Seahawks history in terms of the best trades ever made. We talk that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacy Ross, Jake Eaps, 710 ESPN Seattle.